I called the Penn State women's coach. His name's Russ Rose. He's a Hall of Fame legendary coach. And here I was finishing my freshman year. I remember picking up the phone over the summer and saying, coach, I'd love to help out. I know I want to coach or teach at some level, but I'd love to get some experience. Can I help? And he's like, well, preseason starts in two weeks. Come to the gym. And that was the beginning of it. Mike Shaw joins me as today's podcast guest. He is the assistant volleyball coach at the University of North Carolina. And before that, he had a lot of success on the coaching staff at Penn State, where he was part of the women's volleyball team that won the national championship in 1999. He reflects on his personal and professional journey in this episode, and it's such a pleasure to put the spotlight on him because he's been encouraging me from day one of starting this podcast. So enjoy this conversation. Be inspired with Coach Mike Shaw. Welcome to the Become a Provider podcast, a show about how people bless and protect others and how you can do the same. I'm your host, Justin Thomas. Let's begin. Hey, Mike, welcome to the Become a Provider podcast. Cheers to you, good sir. Cheers to you, Justin. And it is truly an honor and a pleasure to be with you. So I'm excited about this conversation because you have been one of the most encouraging And the most unexpected encouraging person as I've launched this podcast, because I expected it from mom. I expected it from my wife. Thankfully, they have been in my corner from day one, but you have been there right there with me. And you are the assistant coach at UNC Women's Volleyball, and you have a lot going on. And I so appreciate the words of encouragement and your dedicated listening to this podcast I want to say thank you for that. You've provided for me in a very practical way of encouraging me along this journey of trying to become a better provider myself and then encouraging others to do so. So thank you for that. For sure. In terms of your podcast, like we've met a number of times over the years, you know, for the listeners that don't know our connection, you do work alongside Sarah, my wife. And so I can just remember the very first time we met and I thought, man, this guy makes me smile. And you are such an encourager to the people around you. I think it just, you know, seeing your spirit and feeling your spirit just in the room that we were in. And when you started the podcast, I was so excited just because like, I want to hear the people who have had an impact on Justin's life. So for you, being a provider to other people, you've provided that for me. And it's also really nice for me because I have a 30 minute commute back and forth to campus each day. And so over the last few years, I've been so intentional about what it is that I'm listening to, to and from work. And sometimes it's nothing. And that's good for me too. Like the quiet is good. But when I do listen to things, I want to be encouraged. I want to learn from people that I respect and just the various people that have that have had an impact on your life. It's been fun to get to know them through your interviews with them. So it has served me very well. So I appreciate that. You're welcome. And thanks for the encouragement along the way. And to your point, we've had your wife on the podcast. So we've gotten a little bit about your your story uh, as a family moving from Pennsylvania to North Carolina. And I'm really excited to hear more of your story because I love hanging out with people that enjoy their work. And you are one of those guys where you've even mentioned it that, man, not a lot of people get to be a coach as a profession. And here you are getting to do this on, you know, the highest level. So I'd love to start with, 
did you ever think that you would be a professional coach? And if so, like, when did that revelation happen? As I mentioned, I love hanging out with people that love what they're doing. And you come across as really enjoying what you get to do and you appreciate it. You're grateful for it. And so when was the moment that you thought, wow, I think I could be a coach as, as a profession? Based on the beginning of this answer, don't think that I'm going to talk for 30 minutes about it. But I do have to start at the beginning. When I was three or four years old, my father started a boys volleyball program at Derry High School in Derry, Pennsylvania, spelled D-E-R-R-Y, but might as well have been D-A-I-R-Y, you know, it's like rural high school. And he started this boys volleyball program. And so from the time I was a young kid, I was around the person that to this day, and I've had the opportunity to work with Hall of Fame coaches, but to this day, it's the coach that I respect the most. And that's my dad. From the time I was growing up, it was like, I didn't even know what I was learning from my father, but getting the chance to kind of see him do what he did and have the impact that he did on young people was really probably for me, without even realizing it, very formative years in terms of my development as a coach. So I think I knew probably when I went to college, I wanted to teach or coach or something in that capacity. And After my freshman year, so I went to Penn State University and I played on the men's volleyball team. And the men's volleyball season in college runs in the spring. So I went through my freshman year and I felt this like, you know, if I want to do this, if I want to teach and I want to coach, I should get some real experience. Over the years, some players from the men's volleyball team would help the women's volleyball team. Like we'd go to practice or help out in any way that we could. So I called the Penn State women's coach. His name is Russ Rose. And he is in fact still coaching at Penn State. He's a Hall of Fame legendary coach. And here I was finishing my freshman year. And I remember picking up the phone over the summer and saying, coach, I'd love to help out. I know I want to coach or teach at some level, but I'd love to get some experience. Can I help? And he's like, well, preseason starts in two weeks. Come to the gym. And that was the beginning of it. That was as simple as it was. For the next several years as a college student, I would be a student assistant in the fall with the women's team. And then I would play in the spring with the men's team. So I was kind of on this year round circuit of volleyball. And of course, what was my summer job? I would coach camps over the summer. So pretty much all year round, I was teaching or coaching or playing and My major also happened to be exercise and sports science with a teaching emphasis. It was like this Petri dish of learning and learning how to teach and coach and all the important aspects of it from the academic side, but also from the real experience side. So I just felt really lucky to be in that environment and to learn and to grow. And when did I realize like I could do this full time? April of my senior year, I was student teaching and I was getting ready to apply for teaching jobs where we were, like around Pennsylvania. Didn't matter to me, but I was going to apply for a teaching job. And Coach Rose, I was in his office and he said, hey, Penn State has moved into the Big Ten Conference. And because of that, I now have funding for another assistant coach. 
And would you want to consider doing this full time? And I said, that sounds great. And that was my job interview. I guess I essentially had a three-year job interview helping with the team. And that's when I started like, I can do this and I can get paid. I wasn't getting paid very much at the time. I was just starting. And I thought, boy, this would be great. And so I actually stayed at Penn State for the next 12 years as a full-time assistant volleyball coach. And the story takes some turns after that, but I decided after 12 years that I wanted to devote more time to my family. And that was really important to me. And it was getting harder and harder to do. It wasn't anybody's fault, but it was getting harder and harder to have the type of family life that we wanted. So after 12 years, I stepped down, but I still talk to Coach Rose and follow his program and all their success. And I'm I'm proud to say that I was a very small part of it and to get to work with the people that I did there. What gave you the confidence to reach out to the head volleyball coach at Penn State as a freshman and say, hey, let me learn how to coach alongside of you or can I help? I, I think that's a great part of your story. And I know I didn't do that as a freshman. I mean, I think that's really bold and shows your confidence. At the time that you did that, was that just a natural extension of your genuine curiosity and interest? Take us back to that moment, because I think that's a really critical moment of you being intentional as a freshman. Yeah. You know, I remember where I was when I called in. It was in the summer, again, after my freshman year, and I was working at a volleyball camp. It was in York, Pennsylvania. And it was just this group of high school coaches would run this camp every year. And then my dad was there and there were some other coaches. And and I remember having a conversation with all of them and saying like, you know, I really enjoy doing this. You know, I'd like to continue coaching. I remember them saying, you should help out with the women's team while you're there. And I was like, that would be a good idea. So really, I didn't think much of it. I didn't think, oh, I'm not qualified to do this. I was looking at it more like, if I can help them in some way, I'll be glad to do it. And I'll just kind of observe and watch and fill in where I can. And I was, I was also very fortunate that once Coach Rose was like, yeah, why don't you come by? He's one of the best people. And this guy, like I know not all your listeners are tuned into the college volleyball world, but we're talking about like one of the best coaches in history. And here I am walking the gym. I was 19 years old. And it's kind of like, what do you think? Like, he's asking me what I think. I learned a lot from my experience with him that we're never going to have this all figured out. And you can learn things from somebody walking down the street beside you. You can learn things from somebody that just has a different perspective. And maybe for me, that was me. Like I was a 19 year old kid. It's like, but what could he learn from me? And of course I'm looking at it. Like, what can I learn from him and this experience? And I certainly learned plenty, but that might've been one of the more valuable lessons is that we never have this all figured out. I think that's what gives me a lot of joy in coaching is that we're always trying to get better at it. And that was a great lesson to learn from him. Well, and thanks for putting in context the mountain of a man Coach Rose is, because that's not just like going into this small office and just expecting that role. But, you know, you had really had that positive voice in your life from your dad and maybe that camp coach that you're at to say, hey, Mike, just go ahead and like volunteer your time with it. And I just, you know, this whole theme of providing for others is so cool because 
they were just probably giving you the advice that seemed natural to them, but to you, you weren't even thinking about it. And it just changed your trajectory probably for the rest of your your career. And who would have known what would happen if you didn't make that bold move on your freshman year to step into coaching. And here you are at UNC. Exactly. The things that I always encourage my children or our players or whoever I'm around young people is we hold ourselves back from taking chances like that because we, like we play it forward. Like if I would have really thought about it, I would have been like, I'm not qualified to do that. But I think that encouragement, like you mentioned, from whoever gave me the idea was kind of like, they're not looking at those limitations. They're looking at what could happen if you do this, if you reach out, like you could have a great experience doing this. So I think I'm grateful for the people in my life who over the years, not just in that context, but in other ways, kind of like, go for it. And, you know, Sarah is one of those people in my life that Sarah tends to be more adventurous and why don't we go for it? I mean, that's how we ended up in North Carolina is Sarah really feeling like there's an opportunity here that could be really good. And we're at a time in our lives where let's just go for it. And I think God has this way of surrounding me with people like that, because that's probably not my natural inclination. I'm grateful for that. You mentioned, you know, this idea of going for it and you're coaching your players and your kids to do the same. So in your own life, you've had a chance to do some reflection. You just turned 50 and I read a really powerful blog that you wrote about that. And in it, you said, you try to be fully present in the moment. And that's one of your key takeaways of your first 50 years and what you want to take into your next 50 years. And I wanted to ask you, how did you come to that truth? How did you come to that realization that, wow, it really does improve my life when I'm fully present in the moment? Was it a specific time? Was it a book? Was it a mentor? Would you mind just reflecting on that truth in your life? I think what I've always valued and I don't want to say like, this is just naturally how Meyer, but I do think there's an element of that in there, but I have this very strong belief and conviction that everybody we come in contact with is a gift. And there is something inside of them that draws me to them and creates a connection. And I have a couple things that I do that, maybe help me with that. So for example, if I'm in my office and a player comes into my office, if I'm in the middle of something, I ask them to wait for a second. But once I can give them my attention, my phone is off. I physically close my computer and I sit and I look right at them. Like I want them to have my full attention because it could be something insignificant. It could just be, I'm stopping by to say hi, but they deserve to have my attention and I want to give them all of it. And I think the reason I do that and the reason I think it's important is that I know that young people, especially like a lot of times they just want to be heard and nobody's listening. And so if I can be one person in their life that will give them full attention, they deserve that. And so I can't say there was a specific moment that that happened, but I'm genuinely interested in what's going on in their lives and how I can help them to 
grow and learn and get better. And I guess ultimately just to feel like, hey, there's somebody that's listening to me. You know what I'm realizing too, is like, how great is it that you are on the receiving end of that when you're a 19 year old freshman and Coach Rose is listening to you asking for your opinion. And now you're following his example and your father's example too, of really not just playing the role of a coach with your players and coaching them, but willing to learn from them and value them as well. That's a neat thread to see in your life where you benefited from that. And it seems like you're trying to pay that forward. For sure. It's funny. I guess after doing this for so many years, you just, I don't want to say it comes naturally, but I think I have seen so many good examples of it in my life that I see the difference that it can make. You know how it is when you connect with somebody and you feel they really care about what I'm doing. Like it's so meaningful. And so I always want them to know that we really care as coaches. We really care what they're doing. We really care about what they're going through. And usually our conversations have absolutely nothing to do with volleyball. But I guess one of the reasons that I do this is I know that what they learn being part of a team, what they learn in our sport has direct correlation to what things that they will face throughout their lives. And and I think it's part of our role as coaches to make that connection. Like, hey, you know, when things got hard in practice today, do you remember what your response was? well, here's what I observed. When they're going through something hard outside of the gym, they're probably going to have a very similar response. And if we can practice that in the gym and and they get to learn that lesson for something that happens in a relationship or in a future job, then we've done the best job we can to help prepare them for those moments. One of the interesting questions that I always love to ask in these interviews is, All the guests provide for others in a number of ways, and they've provided for me in practical ways. And how are you providing for yourself? Because you're the coach and your job, your profession is to coach and love and encourage on these players and you're passionate about it and you want to do it. So how do you do that for yourself so that you can sustain that effort? Yeah, maybe I've become more aware of it over the years of how important that is. I mentioned earlier that after 12 years at Penn State, I decided to step down And I think if I had been more aware of, I need to take care of myself too, I'm not sure that I would have felt the need to step down. I don't regret it. I don't regret the decision. I think it was the right decision at the time. But I think as time has gone on, I've become much more aware of like, listen, I may just need to go run through the woods for an hour. I may need to take a walk. I may need to drive in in the morning in silence. And that's actually a practice that I started a couple months ago. With all due respect to your podcast and the other ones I listen to, there's always input. There's always input. There's always input. And a couple months ago, I decided like when I would drive in, I have this beautiful drive into campus over the lake. And I decided I'm not going to play anything. The radio's not on. There's not music on. I'm not listening to a podcast. I just want to be still and quiet. And that helped me so much just sort of frame my day. I know not all of your listeners have, you know, maybe everybody has a spiritual side, but like for me, it was God. It was my way of spending time with God that I would sacrifice in other ways and maybe didn't have time for in other parts of the day. And that was my time, like 30 minutes where I could just be quiet. And that, that was a really good practice and I, I'm still doing it. 
So on my way in, it's quiet and it's peaceful and it really just helps me get my day started off. Maybe it's a form of meditation. I don't know, whatever you want to call it, but it's a really healthy way for me to start my day. So between that and exercise, I do enjoy running. Not as many miles as you do, but I do enjoy running. It's a way for me to be outside. And I think that's incredibly important. And then, as I mentioned before, like the inputs that I'm really intentional about in my life, like I don't want to listen to garbage. I do not listen to talk radio and all the noise. I'm careful about even the things that I watch when we do watch TV. Like I, I want it to be meaningful. I think over the years, I've learned to strip away the things that aren't going to help me be able to serve others. And so when I'm putting good inputs in, like I know that and I feel that and I'm able to give more. So my coaching journey has taught me that from the very beginning, like I learned that I need to take care of myself too. And I'm much more intentional about that than I used to be. I love the example of running and having some quiet time, as you mentioned, to have that inner peace and get ready for the day. Cause you never know what's going to happen. Right. And especially in your profession, like <laughs> what's going to happen. And especially you know, during this time, like, Hey, do we have a positive COVID test or is the other team going to come? What are the new rules and regulations with masks? Like it's just this up and down journey. And so as a coach through the pandemic, and just as a father, especially when your profession where the season is canceled or maybe canceled and it's adjusted and this is crazy time. And so I'm sure the stress level has been so much higher over the last year and a half than it has before. And so have you handled that? Or what have you learned about yourself that might be worth reflecting on for a few minutes here? Yeah. Yeah. I have a wonderful health coach that I work with who happens to be my wife. I know plenty of people do it, but I don't know how people have gotten through the last year and a half or so without somebody by their side. And so I'm, I'm so grateful for Sarah I mean, we help each other, of course, but but she has a really good perspective on things. And we've just looked for those good moments. And one thing that I did learn, and I'm, I guess I'm naturally wired to kind of look for the lessons in everything. You know, when the pandemic first started, our oldest was a senior in high school. And it was really hard. Like, I have so much empathy for kids that kind of had to go through their senior year going through that. There's no blueprint for that. But I remember early on talking to my kids about, oh, but we get to do this. Like we get to be together a lot more. And that was great for me. But here I have this 18 year old daughter who just can't wait for the next step and going away to school and all the excitement that their senior year brings. And I I really learned, and maybe Sarah taught me this, maybe I somehow figured it out on my own, like there doesn't have to be a lesson in everything. My daughter wasn't looking for a lesson. She just wanted to be able to do the things that normal kids would be able to do. And that didn't happen. So I think I went from trying to teach a lesson to being okay, like being sad with her. And I don't think I was great at it, but I did my best. Maybe it helped me to do a better job of seeing people right where they were. And, and just be with them in that moment and not feel like we've got to get to here. Just be with them. Just be with them right there. Probably made me a better listener and, and just more aware of what my kids needed and my wife needs and occupationally what, what our players needed too. Yeah. What a valuable lesson because as, as a coach and just as a person who wants to achieve, 
it's hard not to just want to take away the lessons to say, okay, well, I went through this and let me make the most of it and not to force that when you don't need to. Yeah, for sure. There's a quote that I just wanted to bring up here to ask for your just maybe explanation a little bit more, but I, I saw that you had this quote in uh, one of your the other podcasts that you were a guest on. He said, your purpose in life is to pull those good things out of your students or your players or your kids. Where does this passion and drive come from around purpose? I want the kids that I coach to see in themselves what I see in them. And they don't always do that. We're always our own worst critics. And I'm no different. I think young people, especially in growing up, the type of players that we coach here are high achieving kids, not just in our sport, but academically. And like these kids are unbelievable kids. And oftentimes when they hit a roadblock and have some tough times, which is just part of life in general, they start to really kind of question, you know, they tell their, their own story in a really negative way. And here we are looking at them like, you're an incredible young person with all of these gifts. And I think part of it is like helping them to go back and like strip away the noise and whatever stories they're telling themselves. And like, no, this is who you are. So I think for me, as it, as it ties into my purpose, I think that's just something I'm always conscious of is like, what story are they telling themselves and how can I influence their lives for them to tell themselves a better story, a true story about who they are and who they were created to be. Yeah, so good. I was just reflecting on how we need to not only speak blessings to others, but to ourselves. It's like that, you know, that practice of affirmations and so that, that stood out to me, that, that quote, because I think you've done a really good job of really synthesizing, hey, why do I do what I do? Like I'm a coach, but why? And you have this purpose behind drawing out the good into your players. And as you articulated, you know, making sure that they realize like, hey, you're pretty amazing. <laughs> and so stop beating yourself up so much because, you know, we all see the failures and, and unfortunately athletics, it kind of exposes it, right? Like you win or lose, and you make errors or you make points, you know, whatever it might be. And so, you know, to have, you in their corner is invaluable. And it's so fun to have a chance to get to know you and to see how you bring that positive energy into your, your work. And I'm not even one of your players, so I could feel it. Uh, like we started the conversation off, you know, you're just a really good encourager. I appreciate the encouragement along the way. So just to leave you with some encouragement, I've sensed it even before doing my homework in this conversation, I knew that you valued being intentional and you were fully present because I experienced that, you know, whether it was at a dinner party or a conversation, like I knew that Mike was there, like you're really listening and present. And so that's a real strength of yours. And it's, it's fun just to hear a little bit more about your journey and your story. And as we begin to wrap up here, I think one of the things that you could really encourage others in is, as you mentioned, your story is kind of this winding path, right? I mean, we might look at it to say like, oh, well, he grew up in a coaching home and he's been doing this for most of his career. And it just seems like it was easy. But for those that might be in that season of like you were, where you made that decision to resign from coaching at Penn state and do something else for a number of years for your family's sake, without knowing that you'd return to the big stage of like a D one athletic program. And for those that are in that season of life, maybe in, in that Valley of they might've experienced a little bit of their passion and their purpose, and now they don't feel like they are. Give them some hope or encouragement that it's possible to go back into that career like you did. I'm really glad you asked that, Justin. You know, over time, I've, I guess I'm at the age where I can reflect a little bit and look back. And 
one of the things that I would share is that, for example, when I made the decision to step down at Penn State, I probably had a lot of people like, what are you doing? You're an assistant coach at one of the top programs in the country. At the time, we had just brought in consecutive top-ranked recruiting classes. So like the future was looking very good. But I just knew like it was time to step down. And for that first year, it was really difficult. I questioned the decision probably internally, but more than anything, it was the first year of my professional life that I wasn't coaching. And that was hard. And Sarah would agree, like that was a really hard year because it was, I wasn't the same. I was working for my father-in-law in in a like marketing job that I knew that I didn't know very much about how to do well. And it was hard for me to do. And I guess to encourage people. So people who are in that same boat are probably sitting there like, well, forget it. Like I'm going to stay and do what I keep doing if it's going to be hard. But on the other side of that, the opportunities that we've had since that time, since I made that decision, have been adventures that I wouldn't trade for anything. So a year after I had left Penn State, Sarah and I were living in small town Pennsylvania, and we were we kind of looked at each other and were like, there's a real need in this area to start like a youth volleyball club. And so we started this club together, Sarah and I, like basically from the ground up, it didn't exist before. And we're like, let's do this. We've got some ideas about how kids can grow and learn and feel good about themselves and their experience in this sport. So we started this club and we just loved it. And we still, this was gosh, in 2007. And we still are connected with so many of those young people who are now like having children of their own. And it is so fun to see that. It's so rewarding to see that. So that was kind of our first adventure. We started this club in Pennsylvania from nothing. And it was so fun to do. Then as a result of that, we really enjoyed like being in the youth volleyball club world. And believe it or not, Justin, there was an opportunity to move to Raleigh and be one of the directors at Triangle Volleyball Club. I was kind of like, if I could do this, like as my occupation, like this is exactly what I want to do. So that's when Sarah, you know, was kind of like, let's move to North Carolina. All right, here we go. So our kids at that time were one, three, seven, and nine. We don't know anybody, but we're going And we packed up and moved. And I was a director at Triangle for a number of years, seven years, maybe. And then this opportunity at UNC came open and I never anticipated it. And it was another one of those examples, like, let's go for it and let's see what happens. And so just over the years, the different experience, we've taken kids overseas to do some projects, like to build things in communities that would have never had it otherwise. I've gotten to travel around the world with UNC and just the experiences that our kids have had and the players that we've coached to be able to do that and be part of their lives has just been so rewarding. You know, what's fun about that story is that even though you had that time of resigning at Penn State, you still had the passion of coaching and decided like, we'll just build our own thing. And you had a chance to do it with your wife, Sarah. That's one of my takeaways is like, even if you're not getting paid to do what you want to do, just go ahead and make sure that you're scratching that itch. Because if you're designed for it, if that's your purpose, then it doesn't matter if you can pay for it or not, like you're doing it. And that's what matters. 
Exactly. Maybe the other encouragement is like really spend time getting to know who you are and what makes you tick. What gets you excited about waking up in the morning? And I guess for me, I'm lucky that other people and coaching and relationships like that gets me excited about getting up in the morning. And I get to do that every day, you know, whether we're being paid handsomely or not, or nothing at all like that, there's no monetary value that you can put on that. And, you know, the influence that you can have on other people, but equally as important, like the influence that they can have on you, I think is immeasurable. Well, coach Mike, go, uh, go coach your players. And uh, thanks for the time today. Was there anything that uh, you wanted to share with our listeners that I didn't give you a chance to reflect on? Really, Justin, and I, and I mean this sincerely, like people like you who take the time and have the courage to start something like your podcast. And I would also recommend people getting a hold of your book, Become a Provider. That was really meaningful to me. And I, you know, I just want to share with you personally and your listeners that I'm just grateful for people like you that unknowingly are this voice kind of in my life that is very encouraging. So I appreciate all you do. Thank you for listening to this episode. Before you take off, I wanted to ask if you would enjoy getting a short email from me every Wednesday called A Kind Word. It provides a little positivity to help you get over hump day. It's free and shares highlights of things that have brought me joy over the past week. If you want to start getting a kind word from me, simply sign up at justinthomascoaching.com by entering your email address and you'll get the next one. That's justinthomascoaching.com. Thanks again for listening. Bless and protect.